It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. It's time to hold it on, hold it on, hold it on to you. You're listening to the Noise Cancelling Pod, the podcast about streamlining life, encouraging discourse, and maximizing your mind. Hosted by Frank Boyce and Axel Clark. All right, and welcome everybody to episode 16. Is that right, Axel? It's 16. 16 of Noise Cancelling Pod. We are very glad to have you back for another week. Um, we've been really excited the last few weeks. Just great guests, great content. Uh, this week we're joined by Eric Andres. Uh, he's an educator and creator of the How to Be a Grown-Up podcast, and it's a weekly podcast dedicated to sharing inspiring stories from the most brilliant minds in education, sometimes world-class athletes, and definitely people of influence from around the planet. Uh, the focus is really just to help young people find out what makes great people great. I've had a chance to to listen to a, a few of his podcasts this week. My wife actually um, kind of cued me up to it, and I, I said, we got to have this guy on immediately. So a little bit more about, about Eric. He says, after struggling with uh, disordered eating and depression for much of his life, Eric decided to take charge of his health in 2009 and has not looked back. He returned to school and got a degree to be an educator. He adopted a paleo lifestyle, which we'll get much more into later, I'm sure, with Axel. And he began to integrate holistic care and physical fitness regime into his daily life. He got sober. He quit smoking, which he had been smoking for 14 years, and he saw major positive changes. He went from 287 pounds and he's down to 175, which is amazing. And now he competes in half marathons and, and obstacle races. So, uh, Eric, welcome to the show. I'm, of course, Frank Boyce. And this is Axel hey, Frank. Clark. <laughs> hey, hey, Frank. Hey, Axel. Uh, I am deeply humbled and profoundly honored to be joining you guys today. Thanks so much for having me on. So I feel I feel like this is a great point to grab you at, too. Uh, you know, your, your HuffPost article this week was was inspiring and, and really a good jumping off point just for people to learn more about you. So Axel, do you have the first question for Eric? No, well, so first of all, I'll, I'll put the link to that Huffington Post article in the show notes. But uh, my first question is, it, that's a really amazing story. So your kind of lifestyle change, was that a something that happened immediately or did you kind of have to go like make small changes and work your way up to where you're at today? You know, it was really a gradual change kind of thing. Uh, back in my late teens and early 20s, I was, to put it politely, depressed and lost. Um, I was working a job without any advancement opportunities. Uh, I was enormously obese. I looked like uh, Peter Griffin's illegitimate stepchild. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, you know, I couldn't walk upstairs without wheezing, uh, you know, like a kid with asthma. And women wouldn't return my calls, and I knew that I needed to make a change. Um, you know, I tried every kind of fad diet under the sun. Um, I tried those terrible Nutrisystems things that, you know, where you take in like 150 calories a day and want to die. Um, I 
you know, I was not a guy that grew up athletic, so going to personal trainers was terrifying. But uh, the thing that really made a big difference for me was I found the podcast app on my iPhone, um, and I started to download health and wellness podcasts, um, the Ben Greenfield podcast, uh, uh, Lewis Howe's School of Greatness, um, you know, a bunch of different really wonderful podcasts that started to become almost these de facto mentors for me on a weekly basis, giving me not just a shot in the arm of inspiration, but actionable steps and advice that I could take to uh, really better my life. And slowly but surely, I started to see change. And I started to be able to walk past a mirror and go like, oh, look at this. I'm uh, slightly less gigantic. (laughs) And... uh, you know, it started small. I started with just a mile a week. I started just running one mile a week. And then that I was like, well, maybe I can do a 5K. Maybe I can do a 5K race. Maybe I can do an obstacle race. And little by little, I started to become uh, physically fit. And I started to see the person in the mirror that I had imagined could be there. Um, yeah, it's it's been a long process, but... Uh, it's one that was absolutely and definitely worth it. That's awesome. I have so much respect for a change that <clears throat> took place over such a long period of time because I think anything where you really have to have that long-term outlook and that long-term patience takes, I mean, it takes a lot of strength where, you know, you may be seeing these gains, but it, it just keeps getting harder and harder to get those gains back. So can you talk a little bit more about those plateaus and how you fight through that? Oh, absolutely. You know, I think to crib a quote from the motivational speaker, Eric Thomas, you got to find your why. You know, I think a lot of times we set goals for ourselves that we get really excited about initially. You know, I'm both you guys are fit guys. I'm sure you've been to the gym at, you know, January 1st and it's absolutely packed. You know, you got to wait to <laughs> like lift weights. Uh, <laughs> you you got to be like the ninth person in line. And then by January 15th, it's a ghost town again. You know, without finding your why, without finding that driving, that motivating factor, you're not going to get up at 4.30 in the morning before work to go work out, or you're not going to put on your workout clothes after you get home and get out and go for a jog or go lift weights or pick up a kettlebell. At first, my why was kind of vain. You know, it was literally, can I just look better in the mirror Um, And also, it would be super awesome if a woman called me back. Um, But, uh, you know, as the years progressed, uh, I met the woman that's now my wife. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be better for her. I wanted to be the kind of model uh, for our kids that we have now um, that I wish I had had growing up. On top of that as well, you know, as uh, you mentioned, Frank, in the introduction, um, I'm a teacher. And I think a lot of times people forget to be a leader, you have to be a, a, um, a model as well. You don't just have to be a person who can stand up there and go like, here are the metaphors in Lord of the Flies. You have to be a person that is taking, you know, to steal a phrase from that Navy SEAL Jocko Willink, extreme ownership of your life not just the successes, but the failures as well. So you have to be able to show your students, show your children, show your wife, this is my 
progress. This is my journey, and I am going to prove to you that having me in your life is worth it. Mm. I think that takes a ton of strength just to continually get better and get stronger because that's uh, <laughs> that's the challenge with any goal setting really is just continually pushing for that improvement. Axel and I have talked on numerous occasions. Both of us are really good at getting to that you know, maybe 80% level yeah. <laughs> of proficiency and neither of us are, are always that great at getting to the mastery level. You know, it's I think the 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 thing that feels frustrating to a lot of people, like just to to back up a second here, like when we make a decision to get healthier, you know, I think all too often people go either I'm zero or I'm perfect. There is no middle ground. There is no journey. Like the the you know, given that I'm an English teacher, I'm a bit of a student of lexicon, anyways. Here, like the Latin root of decision is de caedir to cut away. So it's literally already saying to you, like, you got to cut everything else away. Otherwise, you know, and I, I don't think that that actually builds lasting success. Small successes built upon small successes make for great accomplishment. And that's the foundation of faith in yourself. That if you screwed up yesterday, if you, you know, fell off the boat, if you had been working out five days this week and you just had a rough day and you hoovered a family-sized bag of Doritos, that doesn't have to be the end. You know, acknowledge the fact that you fell off the bandwagon and go like, you know what, that's fine. I'm not going to beat myself up about it. Tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm just going to crush my workout. Tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to make healthy food choices because tonight I'm going to meal prep for tomorrow. So, you know, I definitely hear what you're saying, but don't beat yourself up along that journey because, you know, it's, it's really not the pursuit of joy, but it's kind of the joy in the pursuit that we should really take enjoyment out of. Absolutely. I'm I'm curious what uh what diet did you ultimately decide on? So you're you're now following a paleo diet? Yes, absolutely. Um the reason that I chose to do the paleo diet, um, like I said, I had tried everything under the sun. Um I tried uh, you know, veganism, I tried vegetarianism, I tried uh like I said that terrible Nutrisystem thing. I tried to get a nutritionist. I tried to do the like five meals a day. And uh, turns out when you give like a person who loves junk food five meals a day, I find a way to make four and a half of those junk food. Um, paleo was the first, uh, I won't even call it a diet. Paleo was the first lifestyle choice that I made that didn't feel deprivation based. Um, when people told me I could have uh, some eggs and avocado in the morning uh, and for lunch I could have some nice steak and like some grilled vegetables. Suddenly it didn't feel like I was going, okay, well I have this paltry little section of this piece of tofu and that's going to be my intake for the day. You know, it. I was able to find ways to incorporate really healthy food in uh in moderation, you know, uh, and also make it delicious. Um, so that's really what lended itself towards uh, me sticking with this for a prolonged period of time. And, you know, being a dude, uh, I, this shouldn't be a part of it, but it is. There's something completely manly about being able to go like, yup, my dinner, I'm tossing steaks on the grill, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, that feels a lot more, you know, it kind of hits home a lot more than like, 
let's grill up some tofu and quinoa. Like, it, it, it just, it doesn't quite punch up. You know what? If that works for people, awesome. <laughs> rock on. Like, I support your journey and, like, find your bliss. But this is just what has worked for me. For sure. Oh, I love this. I'm, like, I'm eating this up. <laughs> Cause, awesome, man. Because I, I started in, after I left college, I had a terrible diet. And yeah. I actually started with Atkins which I wouldn't recommend, but what it did is it, Atkins taught me how to cook food because to eat that much oh, meat, yeah. you have to figure out how to cook food food in bulk. And so I actually started learning how to cook for myself. And then it kind of has transitioned to just what I tell people is a low carb lifestyle, but it's really similar to paleo. But uh, yeah, I think for me, like when you, I'm more strict about what I eat and, and then yeah. the, the quantity is not as important. So I don't have to worry about quantity as long as I'm, fairly specific about not eating a lot of those bad things out there particularly oh, processed things i mean that's the yeah yeah for sure that that's what i was just going to say was i think for anybody uh listening just making whole food choices uh not you know whole foods the grocery store but just <laughs> right you know food that you can pronounce uh i do an activity in my class where i bring in junk food and i tell the kids that they can have it if they can pronounce every ingredient <laughs> in great. the food itself. You know, and some of the kids, some of my higher level readers do get to, you know, ingredient four or five, but then you get to like the monophosphatiserate or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, the kids inevitably stumble. And then, you know, I bust out an apple or a banana. And it's like, can you pronounce this? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I think when we feed our, when we feed our body the fuel that we are evolutionarily programmed to need to to thrive upon, we actually see results. I know that all too often we get lost in the the convenience of like, well, the vending machine is really close to my cubicle and it has gummy bears and Diet Mountain Dew, so that will work for lunch. But, you know, as soon as I started finding this lifestyle... Uh, I, did, I, I honestly haven't craved the gums or the Diet Mountain Dew uh, because my diet was like yours post-college. I was pretty certain that the food groups uh, were like beer, hot wings, uh, Cheetos, and then more of those three things. Right. So, uh, yeah, th that is where I've really found this success. Cool. That's awesome. So one of my favorite things about your podcast is you don't shy away from being aspirational. I think, you know, just listening to you talk now, I mean, I'm getting fired up. Axel's getting fired up. And uh, <clears throat> have, have you always, like, when did that really come about and how did you, how did you kind of cultivate that, that overall attitude and, and being able to be comfortable in, in that, you know, style of communication? Um, you know, I spent a lot of my life, as you had said in the introduction, pretty depressed. Um, and I pointed the finger at the world around me. I became convinced that my circumstances or the fate or God or what have you was conspiring against me to be, you know, this hopeless loser for the rest of my life. And as soon as I had started to actually take control of my life, uh, and I started to see these positive changes, I wanted to teach other people how to do this as well. Um, there's this great quote by uh, Viktor Frankl. He's this dude who wrote a book uh, called Man's Search for Meaning. 
Um, he was this profoundly inspirational uh, Holocaust survivor. And he, he wrote this, uh, when we're no longer able to change a situation, we're challenged to change ourselves. When I looked beyond me and I saw heartache and pain and what seemed like an incredibly difficult situation, well, instead of placing the blame elsewhere, I needed to look inside. And I knew that so many of my students in my early years of teaching were doing the same thing that I was everywhere else. They were saying, it's my parents' fault, it's my teacher's fault, it's the fact that my parents don't have much money, it's the fact that I'm bad at math, they're bad at English, they're bad at science, and that's why I feel bad about myself. And I really want to show kids that, like, you know what, you might be bad at math, you might be bad at science, you might be bad at English, and all these other things might exist, but you have all of the potential and love inside you right now that you could ever need to be truly satisfied in your life. You are a firestorm of potential, and it is your birthright to be happy, healthy, and live an extraordinary life. You know, so, so I decided that I needed to start incorporating this into my classroom. It wasn't until the beginning of the school year that, um, I wrote about this a little bit in the article here, but uh, it wasn't until the beginning of the school year that I'd seen how dire the situation for many of my students become. And, you know, we only have a certain amount of time with the kids per day. We have, you know, 45 minutes when I see their bright, shining faces, and then they're out my door, and I don't see them again. And so while I have to get through content, I also needed to start passing along messages to these kids. And, you know, so many of them have those cell phones in their pockets. So many of them have access to being able to download a podcast. And so I thought, you know, why not try and become the kind of person that has inspired me? Why not try and be the person in their earbuds the way that other people were in mine and changed my life? And why not try and reach out to some of these people that had altered the trajectory of my life and bring them as mentors to these young kids? Um, so, I mean, I guess uh, that's the long way of answering your question of, no, I used to be a huge bummer. I was not fun to be around. Um, but We can actively choose to be healthy, and we can actively choose to be a little bit better each day. And not to say every day comes, you know, not to say I wake up every morning and with a giant, you know, Mr. Rogers smile on my face and I'm thrilled to hop out the door. But as long as we make that positive intention, we, we, we go into our day with the idea that uh, we are going to bring increase in value into the lives of other people. You just as long as that is your intention, it will always be a good day. For sure, that's amazing. Thanks, man. So, well, tell me about you guys. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Please. Oh no. Go. Uh, what I was just gonna walk, kind of walk through is how you, how you've gotten to uh, your podcast. Um, you know, where, where did that really start? Obviously you saying you didn't really have the space in the classroom to really get into these topics and, and it, you felt like that was an open door into the podcast, but you know, the mechanics of actually getting into podcasts where Axel and I especially are, are very interested. Um, 
you know, where did that turn kind of take place? And was there someone that walked you through it or were you just kind of walking through blindly by yourself? Yeah, oh, no, man, I uh, wish there was someone yeah. that walked me through it. Oh, sorry, one more thing. And then That's... I know now you have kind of two things. You have your Wednesday motivation and then you have your mm-hmm. Friday interview. So which one did you start with? And then how did you kind of decide which one? Which of those? Uh, I started with the Friday interview, um, and I was so excited by the response to the first one uh, that I really didn't want to wait an entire week to oh, uh, put another one out. Uh, but I was, you know, because I was a brand new podcast, and I'm sure you guys have seen this as well, you shoot out cold emails to people or you try and reach out to people. And because you don't have a lot of people that have already been on your podcast, uh, a lot of people give you a very polite and sweet no. Uh, and so I wanted to continue to put something out that week. And, uh, you know, I dabble with making music at home. Uh, and so I decided, okay, I'm going to make some music and I'm going to say something positive over it. So I'm going to give them like a, uh, it, you know, those uh, like NBA commercials where they have the guy uh, kind of saying something positive over inspiring music yeah. and Kobe's dumb. Oh, yeah. I was like, what can I, like, how can I do the nerdy version of that? Uh, And so that's what I decided to start bringing on uh, that very first Wednesday. And I got a real positive uh, feedback from that. And so I decided to just kind of keep it up. Um, But to answer your uh, first question, Frank, um, man, I wish I had a podcast mentor because I feel like I am still learning (laughs) the different steps here. And I feel like each week I'm learning something new. Um... You know, from how to ensure that I have a positive connection over Skype to uh, don't get too excited about a potential huge guest bef- uh, uh, before the thing's actually recorded. Because there was one in particular uh, that I was so amped about and I told everybody <laughs> and he didn't show up. Oh, uh, you know, it's it, busy schedules. Things happen. I'm still grateful that he even was willing to humor me over email. Um, but, you know, it's been a real creative journey and a process of discovery for myself of how can I be a better listener? How can I package what these inspiring people are saying and bring them to my kids' uh, ears and minds? Um, because a lot of my kids, you know, we live in this really strange time when our our young students have access to more media than, you know, either you guys or I grew up with. Like, I don't know your guys' ages. Um, I'm 31. Um, But, you know, when we were young, if you were getting something negative, it was because you went to Best Buy and bought a CD. You know, now it's just the touch of a button, and they are inundated with the uh, terrible, sexist, misogynistic, revenge-based, hate-based, greed-based messages just pumped into their ears and so I feel like it's incumbent upon me as an educator to take these positive voices however quiet or loud they might be and go here is an alternative here is something else for you here are people that are successful that look like you that come from the same places that you do that have the same socioeconomic background that you do that might have the same sexual orientation or religion or race or whatever but they are successful, and they are telling you you can be too. Um, so that's really been uh, a journey of discovery for me, uh, not without its pitfalls, but uh, with a lot of successes as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, 
Man, just sitting here listening to some of these answers, I'm like, I need to put that podcast on every morning when I get to work and just get that Wednesday motivation every single day. Because yeah. that's, man, and I, great I, stuff. I think it's really cool that you make the music behind it. Because I was, int- I was kind of, because me and Frank have talked about using some more music in our podcast. Yeah. And I, and we were talking about where to get it from. So I was like, man, I wonder where he got that music, where he got the music for that motivation because you have it playing behind you and it's it is cool thanks man you know i just it's been a wonderful uh a wonderful challenge you know there are so many kind of cool podcasts out there you know like the tim ferris experience your guys podcast joe rogan experience model health show you made it weird rewild yourself ben greenfield order of man fighter and the kid like just tons of podcasts that are saying really positive things and I kind of thought like well what can I do to try and differentiate myself somehow um you know and hopefully um, it it allows my podcast to stand out for kids and you know maybe if the only thing they get out of that Wednesday morning motivation was like that was a fun three minutes that you know made me bounce my head a little bit you know that's okay too as long as I can keep passing along these positive messages keep trying to be the person that I needed at my darkest times, then hopefully I'll have done my job. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think coming from that, that darker place to, to understand how valuable and how, how great it feels to finally kind of see some of that light, I, I think that's such a strong, strong place to start from and, and something that people can really attach themselves to, to know that, you know, you, you've walked through those days and that you, you've been you actually been there. You're not just this, this positive mouthpiece that has never experienced these, these difficult circumstances. Absolutely. But, you know, you guys are doing the same thing here on your podcast, Axel and Frank, you guys, you know, I have no idea what it's like to serve in the military, and I have no idea what it's like to have seen the things that I'm sure you have seen, what it's like to, um, you know, suffer or fight your way through uh, difficult situations. But you guys made an active choice to bring positive messages to people the world over. You know, I, I don't know what podcasting service you guys uh, use to host your podcast, but I know, you know, I use SoundCloud. And while a lot of it comes from, you know, my downloads come from Minnesota, where I'm based, you know, there's downloads popping up in Croatia, South Africa, China, uh, Indonesia, someplace called Guernsey. I, <laughs> you know, and the cool thing is your guys' positive messages that you actively took the time to share your guys' difficult and joyful experiences are changing the lives of people the world over. So, you know, I, I receive your kind words and I, I'm grateful for them, but just know that you're doing the exact same thing and I'm grateful for you. I really appreciate that. Hey, who's been your favorite <laughs> guest so far? Oh, man, that's a, that's a tough one. Let me, let me pull up the list here. Um, cause every single person has brought something really cool. Um, who was the biggest surprise man, then maybe the biggest surprise? Uh, I was pretty psyched to, I was pretty psyched to get, uh, a, a, an interview that 
I haven't posted yet, um, with Neil Strauss, the author of The Game and uh, The Truth. Mm -hmm. um, are you guys familiar with his yes. books? A little bit, yeah. You know, big best-selling author. Uh, you know, another one that I really was just, like, blown away by was I got a chance to interview Dan Millman. Um, he's the author of The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Um, you know, his book was one of the very first ones that my dad handed to me as I began my journey towards personal empowerment. So having read this guy's book and then getting a chance to thank him on my podcast for pointing my life in a positive direction was awesome. But, you know, each guest has brought some really great stuff. I got a chance just recently, you know, my most recent uh, interview episode was with Bob Proctor, uh, one of the stars of that movie, The Secret. Um, you know, this dude is like an OG of the self-help industry. He's been doing it for something like 50 years. He's 81, and he's still out there telling people, you can change your paradigms, you can live a better life, you can be wealthy and healthy and vital. And, uh, man, he marches around the stage like Tony Robbins. Um, let's see, who else do I have here? Uh, I, I feel just like that message has to get stronger as you get older, right? I mean, if you can oh, still yeah. keep, keep saying that same message and you're 80 years old, it's getting more and more believable every day. Ah, uh, dude, he was awesome. I asked him, I you know, off the podcast, I had said, like, Hey man, you know, you are in your early 80s, a time when most people are uh when most people are going into senior living homes and watching the prices right and napping a lot. How are you doing what you do? How how are you making this choice? And he said he said I surround myself with useful energy and I decide that that's the mindset that I'm going to adopt. And it was just such a powerfully awesome message. Oh, there's another great interview that also hasn't been posted. I got a chance to interview Ron Finley, uh, a dude whose uh, moniker or pseudonym is the Gangster Gardener. Um, this dude helps people, uh, young men and women in uh, you know poor parts of California, to start to grow their own food uh, along the kind of small patches of grass by their sidewalks. Mm. Uh, and he was so real, so profoundly awesome, and he had just a great thesis or a bit of advice that he passed along to me and my kids, and it was just three simple words, operate from happy. You know, he talked about the struggles in his life, the things that he'd faced, adversity that he'd faced in trying to bring fresh food to uh, the underprivileged, and he just said, as long as you're making decisions that bring joy to you and to other people, you can't regret them. And honestly, I was having such a rough day while I was interviewing him. I kind of had the, uh, you know, just the five o'clock blues, if you will. And it was what I needed to hear that day. It was it was the uh, <laughs> kind of inspirational punch in the face I needed to wake up and go like, you know what, man? You're right. This is my mission. This is why I'm doing this. I'm going to stop feeling sorry for myself, drink a Red Bull, take a fistful of vitamins, and just rock the rest of the day. Mm. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, have you guys? That's so cool. I mean, yeah. Go ahead, Alex. Hey, I was just asking. Have you have you guys seen the video of this hundred the hundred year old Ida Keeling who set the record for the hundred meter dash? Really? Yeah, you have to see. You have to <laughs> check it out. So she's. I guess she turns a hundred and one this month, but she ran the pen relays and set the record for the hundred meter dash. And she's it's like she was actually running. She wasn't like sprinting, but she was pretty fast. I think it was. 
she ran it in about a minute oh a minute and 17 seconds <laughs> it's great really though cool. man <laughs> she's 101 i guess she did she busted out some push-ups after the uh at the end of the race really yeah it's amazing man you guys should check Goals. that out. it's pretty it's, that it's the, pretty inspirational put that on the long-term goal sheet yeah i guess well, she, and you, she, you should, oh sorry please. i was gonna say she didn't start running until she's in her 60s wow but that yeah that's pretty well, cool i think that's just I think that's just the the message that we need to keep in our minds as we are moving forward. You know, again, to go back to what you had said early on, Frank, that, you know, sometimes it's it feels difficult when we don't reach that, that quote-unquote mastery that we feel like we end up getting defined by our mistakes or our, our failures or, you know, our age. All too often I hear people, you know, my age, which I'm not that old, uh, telling me like, well, I could never do an obstacle race. I haven't been training at all, dude. I I looked like Augustus Gloop for most of my life. I was a circle. Put me next to a normal person, and it looked like the number ten. It was rough, you know. But we don't have to be defined by the mistakes or failures or you know lack of preparation of our past. Those are just, you know, those are just metaphorical scars. And those scars are lessons that can actually inform our future. They don't have to dictate our self-worth or the ability to do amazing things, but they can teach us the kind of people that we want to be. You know, when people tell me or when my young scholars in my classroom tell me, I can't do this, that, or the other thing because I have these obstacles in my life, I want to keep telling them that facing those obstacles, life puts them there on purpose. We don't learn how to drive by just going like, ah, open road and this is easy. No, we go into parking lots. We have to take turns. We have to learn to stop. We get these obstacles placed in our life so that we can grow. We don't have to hit the wall. We can climb the wall. We don't have to see uh, you know, a setback as an end result. We have to see it as a setup to a comeback. So, you know... When when I hear stories like that, what I take in is like, wow, that means that at 101, I should still be trying to rock my workouts. Right. No right, matter yeah. what. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that state of mind is so important. And I think, you know, oftentimes we get kind of brought down by what we feel are our physical limitations or, you know, intellectual limitations. But Really, it's just that mindset. It's it's being able to to put you put yourself in the right frame of mind to accomplish whatever whatever it is you want to set your mind to. Absolutely. Well, and I'd love to know from you guys, Axel and Frank. You know, as you guys were going through, you know, the training for your military positions, or having to go through kind of the uh, the day to day of that. How did you keep a mindset of moving forward? Um, what kind of strategies or techniques did you use or was it kind of just like a I have to wake up every day otherwise people will be pissed yeah I mean I think it's a little bit of that um, you know we both went through different forms of boot camp my boot camp was uh, out in Colorado Springs um, and I, I would say as an 18 year old um, you know there were definitely challenges to it but I, I, I was just kind of under the mentality like I'm, I'm just not going to quit like no matter what I'm, I'm just not going to quit but I do remember 
it wasn't boot camp. It was it was my sophomore year, and I think I, I might have shared this on, a, on an earlier podcast to a, a certain extent. But there was a, a single week that I can remember my sophomore year where school had gotten really challenging. I was taking all these engineering classes and, and advanced physics that I had had really no clue what was going on, and I just had this one specific week where I was like, I I kind of want to quit. Like I'm just burnt out, and I, I I feel like I can't do this. And something in that week just just kind of click to say, you know, you've, you've been doing this for over a year. Like you just need to do this. You need, you need to get through this week and it's going to seem a lot easier on the other side. And so, you know, I got through that week. I think I had, had one test that, that came out better than the previous test had, had gone. Cause I, I, I was even on like academic probation at this point. So like sure. it was, it was a really low week for me, but it was just like some somewhere in my subconscious, I knew like if I if I just got through this single week, this single point, that things were going to start getting better. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, what about you? So, so I, I think it's important to when you have, well, when you're starting with something like that, you'll get a little win and just get, gaining momentum, and then you get a little, another little win. And I think gaining momentum and gaining confidence, uh, that's motivating and really helps you to continue forward. Uh, improving and working forward. Absolutely. I, I use the phrase in my classroom, muscle memory. Uh, you know, all too often I think we define muscle memory as something that our body kind of remembers when we do a repetitive motion, but I I think it can be for accomplishments as well. You know, when you decide every single morning I'm not going to hit the snooze alarm and I'm going to set it, you know, early enough so that I can get out and get to the gym, I can, or if athletics or thing or working out it's not your thing maybe it's write that book or paint that painting or you know heck just clean up the house you know i i know you were saying frank that uh you got a little one i i got two little ones as well and uh you know just keeping the house in a relatively orderly fashion uh be that can be the challenging thing that you need to wake up in the morning and do so having that muscle memory making a habit making that a you know when you fall off that bandwagon you don't even need to be conscious about it your body will physically you know feel weird you'll feel like oh man i need to keep moving forward otherwise i'm not going to get back to normal you know it's forgive me i'm going to start rambling here so no. thank you. that would those were great answers um no, we talk about that a lot in terms of building good habits you know axel Axel's built a really good meditation habit as as just part of his daily routine, and uh, we, we've talked we talked at length about how it has to feel like a an absolute necessity in your day for for you yeah. to not miss those sessions. You know, it it has to feel so deeply ingrained, like you said, like that that it throws your entire day off if you miss that. Yeah, I like to put well, the, the things that are really important to me. I like to put those at the beginning of the day. Because for yeah. whatever reason, once I get into the day, then things start to, like I'll have a meeting that that, that uh, uh, conflicts with my workout or I'll have something else. So I'll be tired at the end of the day. So the, the things that are I'm working on for that period of time, I try to put those at the beginning of the day and, and knock those out before anything else. Absolutely, man. And thanks for sharing that, guys. Um, yeah, I think... I think that it can be, you know, and speaking to your listeners at home here, I think that it can be really difficult sometimes when, you know, we hear the accomplishments of, you know, Frank or Axel or, you know, any of the inspiring people that you've chatted with. And 
it can be difficult to go like, man, I would love to incorporate a meditation practice in my day, but you know, I'm too busy with X, Y, or Z. I've got kids. I've got a job that I've got to be at it, you know, this time in the morning. I can't sit down for five minutes because my brain races. You can make that a priority. You know, hear what Axel is saying. You, you can do these things. You can have these things. The reason you haven't yet is you haven't made it an emergency. When I talk to friends of mine that go like, oh, man, I wish I could spend more time with my kids. You can. You just haven't made it an emergency. When I talk to my students and go, you know, man, I'm terrible at math. Uh, I really wish I could pass that class. You can. You haven't made it an emergency. Because when you define it as an emergency in your life, you get up in the morning and you do that meditation. When you define it as an emergency in your life, you don't accept an F as your peak capability. You say, you know what, maybe the F is all I can do by myself, but I'm going to pull in a tutor. I'm going to stay after school with the teacher. I'm going to come before school to talk to other teachers to get advice on how to do better in this class. As soon as you make that an emergency in your life, you know, it will no longer be, God, I wish I could be like Axel or God, I wish I could be like Frank. It will be, I'm along this journey with them because I've decided to take the same kind of priorities that they have. Well, I have to say, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm like, I I, I really want to be like Eric. <laughs> I know, me too. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so I'm taking, pumped up. I'm taking notes right now. <laughs> I'm so well, pumped up. Uh, again, I'm I'm grateful and humbled for your kind words. Thank you. I received them. You ever so, notice that, like, like when someone says something kind to you, like, you know, maybe, well, you know, you've been in from Minneapolis. I'm sure that you've experienced this. When someone says something kind, uh, people just deflect it. Right. They go like, oh, man, it's, it's nothing. It's, you know, or uh, like this one I hear so often, like when when someone, you know, says like, hey, man, nice shirt. They inevitably go like it was on sale <laughs> or like try and downplay the the compliment. You know, uh, one of the podcasts that I really like listening to the model health show with Sean Stevenson he had this great thing that I decided to just wholesale steal and incorporate into my life. And it was just, I received that. Because when someone's okay. paying you a genuine compliment, it totally shoots them down when you go like, hey, man, I really appreciate having you on the podcast. And the other person goes like, no, it was, it was nothing. This was fine. It was, no. <laughs> like, that, that invalidates the graciousness and the gratitude that the other person was trying to give to you. Like, so I, it's something I'm working on in my own life, just to go like, I receive that and I thank you for it. Dude, I, I like that a lot. I think that's a, that's something I need to work on. Yeah. That's... One, one of the things that we have talked about in the past is that <clears throat> as I get older, I value negative um, feedback or reinforcement. Feedback, more than, yeah, constructive <laughs> feedback is probably a better way to say it, but... I, I know that that personally motivates me the most, but I think that's a that's a really good point of just you know having a little bit more thankfulness and uh, appreciation for for someone going out of their way because most of the time they don't need to make that compliment. Oh, absolutely! You know, I think we live in a culture that ends up being so me based. You know, we live in such an uh, immediate gratification culture. You know, with with the press of a button, you can have the song you want, the podcast you want. Uh, you know, it takes... I, I was seeing these things from Amazon now that apparently you can buy this little chip that you press the button on it and you don't 
even have to order the pizza anymore. <laughs> it just comes to your door. You know, this facilitation generation has been so given the opportunity to only focus inward. So I think when someone does take the time or take the effort to go like, hey, man, uh, I am grateful that you gave X, Y, and Z. I really want to be respectful of that. Um, but I also wanted to say something. on You were talking about the older that you get, the more that you value constructive criticism or negative feedback. It just it brought me back to something we were talking about earlier. Um, I just wanted to mention this to your listeners because it's uh, it's a book and uh, a methodology that's been profoundly meaningful to me in my life. You know, I think all too often uh, when we are looking at examples of success in whatever field that we are pursuing, you know, maybe it's business or athletics or food or arts or what have you, we look at these high watermarks and go like, I'm a failure because I'm not this. I'm a failure because I'm not Tim Ferriss or I'm a failure because I'm not Jocko Willink or I'm a failure because I'm not Lewis Howes or what have you. Um, but there's this, I wrote this down so I would mention this here, there's this really cool uh concept by this uh, dude, uh, and I'm going to totally butcher his name, and forgive me, anyone listening that actually knows how to pronounce this. Um, I'm from Minnesota, so <laughs> forgive me. Uh, the dude's name is Masakai Aimai, I believe. Um, he is this Japanese philosopher and economist, and he had this great book called Kaizen, uh, The Key to Japan's Competitive Su Success in 1986. Uh, Kaizen is this practice of continuous improvement. Um, so as we move forward, taking in that negative and that positive, taking in the constructive criticism or, or the praise, and looking at them as kind of two sides of the same coin and the thing that pushes us to take small steps forward, I think you are dead on the money, man. Like, hit the nail on the head with a hammer. That is what will bring us to be the best version of ourselves. Because I think we have this really cool opportunity being podcasters that we can speak to people honestly. We can be we can be the voices in our ears that we need. And really without that continual improvement, then we're not the voices in the people's ears that they need. We need to continually model what we want to get, give to them. Yeah. That's a hundred percent true. How, hey, so what, what other questions do you have? I'm curious. Like, I feel like you are very good at motivational speaking, and like, first of all, you have a lot of enthusiasm, which I think is important. But just how you speak oh, thanks, is man. is impressive. Is this some like? Do you actively work on on that, or is this just you have passion and and that's where it comes from? Uh, do you mean in terms of uh, just kind of being excited about things or, uh, just how you deliver being a nerd with a lot of book references? Maybe. <laughs> um, and, and maybe you know, man, some of it, it. So one other thing I was thinking is like, is I think being a teacher gives you, gives people practice in presenting and being able to talk to a large yeah. group. So I think maybe that some of it comes from that experience. Yeah, man, it's, you know, I was, I got a chance to chat with Kyle Clark, uh, a comedian on my podcast. Um, he's got this awesome podcast himself uh, called This Is Rad. Um, but I got a chance to chat with him a long, uh, couple of months ago. 
And he is also a licensed teacher. And I'd asked him, like, is there any parallels here? Is there any similarities between these two professions? Because both of us are up in front of audiences uh, that we want to try and convey a message to. Right. And he went, he, he went, bro, I've never had as hostile of an audience as I did in fifth hour English. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's definitely difficult sometimes to get up in front of the classroom and get kids excited about stuff that can seem pretty boring. You know, when you're getting up in front of the classroom and going like, yeah, guys, come a placement. Uh, that can be difficult, you know, and so you got to sell it and you got to practice that. And I think genuinely, if you don't present yourself as excited, if you don't present yourself as thrilled that those kids are there to learn, they're not going to be into it because a lot of kids would rather floss with barbed wire than be in school. And so I think, you know, curriculum aside, the main thing that we got to do as teachers is make them feel like we are so excited to see them every day. And we're excited not only to give our message to them, but to take in their messages as well. You know, I think all too often uh, we teachers, and I'm sure you have teachers that listen to this as well, and I'm sure you have amazing teachers that listen to this. I think all too often as teachers, we get lost in our core content. And, um, you know, because we love it. We became teachers, not just for June, July, and August, um, but we became teachers because we love math or science or whatever discipline that we're in. But we forget that the collective intelligence of the kids in the classroom far dwarfs our own. You know, as every year passes, we are further and further away from from their life experience. And it's incumbent upon us to start asking them, what's important to you? What music do you listen to? What books are you reading? What movies are you watching? Because that can inform the way that we then present our material to them. Um, and so, yeah, I guess to answer your question... I love making kids feel excited, not just about English, not just about my subject matter, but about being their potential to be lifelong learners. And in terms of all the nerdy book quotes, I was a huge dork for like my entire life. I was, I, I will fully admit this, uh, I was the kid that wore wind pants like all the way into high school, like the swish swish kind of <laughs> things. Uh, I carried a book everywhere uh, along with my trombone case. Hey. So, needless to say, lots of dateless nights uh, that were spent reading. <laughs> um, you know, I later figured out that I needed to switch to guitar because, you know, women were not particularly enthralled with a trombonist. You can't go like, hey, girl, want to hear me play Let's Go Band? <laughs> <laughs> She's not blown away by that one. Um, you know, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, as for the reading, uh Every single super successful person that I have gotten a chance to interview or listen to their their own speeches or podcast or what have you, one of the common elements between all of them, you know, whether they are in business or athletics or whether they're conservative or liberal, is that they all read everything. They read voraciously and they read people that they disagree with and they read people that they agree with and they, you know no matter what it is, you can pull value from something. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's that's why I love to be a student of language. Mm. Yeah, I think that's 
That's really incredible, especially in terms of just engagement with your students and and showing them that you know you're you're very interested in their life and not just from a, a standpoint of getting to know their name or getting to know their their circumstance, but actually knowing what they're into and what motivates them. I think that that has to help a ton just with your how connected your students are to you. Well, I'm sure you guys experience this in school as well. Like, you know, I, I don't know how old are you guys. I'm 31. I'm 34. Okay, so, I mean, we're about the same age. 35. You know, it's 35 right yeah. up. And I, I, <laughs> no worries, man. I did that the other day. I was out with my wife, and I was introducing myself to someone, and, uh, you know, for some reason, our ages came up, and I went, 28. Wait, <laughs> nope. Not that one for a while. 31. There we go. Um. You know, but I'm sure during, you know, your formative schooling years, you got the same thing I did, that crotchety old teacher that handed out a note card that went, like, write down your three favorite books. Like, I don't read. All right, I'll collect these now. And there was no reference to those ever again. You know, and I think when we, in our, in our formative schooling years, had teachers that cared about us as people, not pupils, you know, it's a big difference, people, not pupils. Mm. We tried harder in their class. You know, even if it was a subject that we struggled in, I think back to uh, actually teach in the building now that I graduated high school from, weirdly enough. Um, but I think back to a math teacher that I had that, you know, I, I have a learning disability in math, and I was just a hot mess. You know, I think I passed a lot of my math classes because they went like, he's the silly, nice one. Okay, we'll just, we'll move him along. <laughs> um, but I had, a, I had a really kind math teacher that took a lot of time, a lot of her personal time out of the day to tutor me, to care about my progress, to build me up when I was falling down. And... She's the reason I got the first A in any math class ever. Um, I later got a chance when I started working at this building to go talk to her. And uh, you know, I said, do you remember who I am? And she's like, no, I'm so sorry. I said, I just want you to know that your kindness changed the trajectory of my life. You made me believe that I could succeed in classes that I, I was positive that I couldn't. And so, you know... While I know that I'm a poor man's version of teachers like that, I hope to bring a little bit of that spark into the classroom to try and kind of fan that flame of passion for them. Yeah, of course. Your, uh, your humility is, is uh, as impressive as, as everything else that you brought to this podcast. So oh, I'm, thanks, I'm insanely appreciative of, of you being here. And I, I love the timing. So let's, can we talk about the, the Huffington Post, you know, that, that whole, oh, sure. you know, how you got your foot in the door there. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm not sure if you have plans to do more in the future, but I, I loved reading that. I, oh, yeah, I definitely do. Um, I actually am writing my next one tomorrow. I had this idea. Uh, well, let me back up first, and I'll tell you how this happened, um, which was way less, you know, way more anticlimactic than <laughs> I would like to say. I'd love to go, like, I had to go along a quest in which I gathered these <laughs> two emeralds. Um, but really, I, you know, I was reaching out to different uh, leaders in the news field um, because 
with the upcoming election, I wanted to see if I could get some, you know, news correspondents, some owners of news websites on my podcast to talk to the kids about the importance of civic engagement. You know, and I was reaching out to both, uh, you know, conservative and liberal outlets because, you know, I have Republican and Democrat kids and I, uh, the message is going to be the same. Get out and care about your country. Um, and I reached out to, uh, I was through some contacts able to get Ariana Huffington's email address. And I shot an email to her uh, very politely and humbly making my case of, uh, would you have any time to be on uh, my podcast, even if it's for like five minutes, uh, I would be profoundly humbled to be able to bring your voice and your words of wisdom to my students. And uh, amazingly, a couple of days later, uh, she wrote back and went like, I am so sorry, but I have a book launch coming out and uh, I, I just don't have the time right now, but I'd love it if you would share your voice and your students' voice on uh, the Huffington Post. Now, I I hate to admit this in public, but I I took it as a very nice, very sweet, idle promise on the part of an incredibly generous person who wrote an email back to me. And so I wrote back, a, you know, a thank you, and I appreciate her even considering the request, um, and I just kind of left it at that. Uh, because I, I assumed that was going to be the end of it. You know, if, if I was in her position, too, I would say the same thing. Like, yeah, someday you'll write for us. Sure. Like, okay, thanks. Um, and a couple of days later, their blog editor reached out to me and asked if uh, I actually wanted to do it. And uh, my answer was a resounding, <laughs> yes, please. Um, and uh, so... That night, uh, I wrote the first article and uh, got it posted online. Um, the next article, I'm actually uh, I'm trying something different. Uh, I want to bring the voices of some of my really wonderful students into that. Um, I got this just idea stuck in my craw of how cool would it have been in my high school career if I had a teacher that could have facilitated my voice on a multinational level. Mm. So actually... Tomorrow during uh, uh, third hour, I am sitting down with a group of kids and they are going to, you know, under my guidance, write the next article. Um, because I have this opportunity to amplify student voice in a way that I never had before. And so uh, I'm really excited about that possibility of being able to bring these brilliant, awesome, compassionate young scholars' voices to a lot of different people. And to be able to also give them the actual credit on their college resumes of, uh, you know, I wrote for the Huffington Post once. Right. Uh, it's pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah, no big deal. No, that's 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 really cool. And I think I think coming from a student's perspective is somewhat disarming to you know the 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 global comment section. I'll put that in air quotes. You know where you know you're saying, well, these these are our students, and <laughs> look what they've had. To, have to say and they have opinions so that's I think that's going to be a really cool experience I'm looking forward to reading that yeah that's, oh, that's thanks, really man. exciting yeah I I think the thing that is so disheartening to me about you know our generation you know we in our 30s and people moving upwards is it's become this like fashionable thing to complain about millennials you know it's almost any time that I'm out and about and I'm talking to someone and they find out that I'm a high school teacher, there's 
inevitably the chorus of comments of like, oh my god, they're so self-obsessed and they're just glued to their phones and what does the word bay mean? And why are they <laughs> posting all those pictures of coffee on their Insta tweeters? And it, you know, I don't think there's really any honor in complaining about millennials. If you feel like they're lost, give them a map. If you feel like they're ignorant, educate them. For thousands of years, we had these rites of passage for men and women that brought them from childhood into adulthood. And with the advancement of technology, we've lost that. But for some reason, a lot of us older people have decided that with that loss of the integral part of our society, these, these you know, uh, the completion of this monomyth or hero's myth, if you will, with the loss of that, we've decided to blame it on young people. We've decided to blame it on the fact that they have Snapchat accounts and they like, you know, Starbucks coffee. No, this is our fault. We're failing them. So the next time that, you know, the next time you wonderful listeners of this podcast are around someone my student's age, don't get distracted by the fact that they are addicted to Candy Crush or they're listening to some bizarre music that you can't understand reach out to them. They need you to teach them. They need you to guide them. They need you to show them what it means to be an adult the same way that you were shown because they're lost right now. But the cool thing is they actually have a lot of awesome things to uh, you know, offer as well. Um, if you don't mind, I, I have this brainstorm list that, uh, about this because I have a future podcast I want to do. Do you mind if I pull it up real quick? We, we love brainstorm lists. We, we posted uh, one of our brainstorm lists on an open Google document a long time oh, ago. Yeah, we did. Hey, Frank, you know what I think would <laughs> so, be cool? We should take that. So remember the when Miriam was on the first time and we asked her like what she would tell a high school student that was looking to go into journalism and it was just yeah it was awesome we should take that out and just make like a snippet and repost as a standalone uh post on our on the podcast nice we should have we should just post the greatest hits maybe greatest hits pod. but yeah so we we have my friend Miriam. she's a producer for abc news and she's i think she's 28 yeah. she's in her uh she's not 30 yet but she like it was cool to hear her talk about how she got into into media and what yeah. what is especially cool I think would be interesting to your students is that like she she wrote, she established the Snapchat news account for ABC News and she was talking about how wow. if you want to be in journalism you have to know all these different social medias and so in the future the peop, the news the media companies are going to need to reach out to the millennials and Oh and yeah. So someone, someone, they're gonna need journalists that understand those different social media platforms. And so she was just describing how you can't just be a writer; you need to understand all these different social media platforms. But I think that would be cool and kind of, kind of inspiring to kids to say, "Hey, this isn't a complete waste of my time. I mean, there's some benefits to understanding all these different platforms." Oh, there are. There's so many things. I, I got the list pulled up here. There's so many things we can learn from students now. For forgive me, I put this list in kind of a humorous form because it's also an idea for a future article. So that actually, the Snapchat thing uh, is my number one. It's uh, the Buddha and the founder of Snapchat knew the same thing. Everything is impermanent. 
don't sweat the small stuff. This one's going to pass. Uh, I like that. You know, it's okay to embrace your inner child. Throw snowballs at each other over a lunch break. Join a choir, play pickup basketball, or just laugh with friends at a new movie you found on Netflix. Um, black coffee is super boring. March into a Starbucks and order a venti iced skinny hazelnut macchiato sugar-free syrup, extra shot, light ice, and no whip, and don't look back. Um, you know, uh, uh, but more serious stuff here, too. Like, stereotypical gender roles are stupid. Millennials know that powerful men can be awesome cooks and loving fathers, and strong women can be outspoken and, and ambitious. Um, they also know that education is important. The Pew Research Center states that young people are pursuing higher education in higher rates than ever before, and we need to learn from that and start betting on our own potential. Um, the, the, my favorite one, the one that hits home hardest for me, I know is something that takes off our generation and older ones, but don't just be a yes man or a yes woman. Question authority, and to call back something from you, Frank, earlier, Offer constructive criticism. It's the only way that we and those around us grow. So that's just a couple that I wrote down here. Those are gold. Yeah. I like Thanks, man. <laughs> I like that Buddha one a lot. I might, I might borrow that. Yeah, that is great. <laughs> <laughs> I would say one thing, you know, getting back to your point on, on just a millennial thing. I mean, to me, it feels like such a, a projection of you know just general confusion of where where the world is at right now like i don't think yeah. our generation or the older generation know what to do with it or or really yeah. you know they can't pass along the same information that their parents pass along to them because it, it's just not applicable anymore like that doesn't it doesn't work and you know i think some of their angst and confusion from that just gets poured back into almost this anger or frustration or complaining about the younger generation because that's much easier than actually dealing with all those feelings that they actually have. Absolutely. But, you know, I guess if I was going to speak to that, uh, I had uh, Ryan Mickler of Order of Man on my podcast, and one of the things that he and I talked about was his military service. And, you know, he had asked the question, did I know what you were supposed to say to a drill sergeant when you screwed up. And I, I didn't. And he said, we were supposed to scream at the top of our lungs, no excuses, sir. And you know what? Yeah. The world is changing. And there are definitely elements of that that are terrifying. You know, uh, with the advent of things like quantum computing, those terrifying HoloLens things, things that Microsoft's putting out where it looks like you can kind of be in like a Star Trek style holodeck, you know, there are a lot of new things, but if we are continually pining for a world that no longer exists and never will, we're only going to be frustrated. Technology and trends and fads are only going to move forward. So either we can gripe about it and be frustrated, or we can decide that even if the lessons of our parents or our grandparents aren't directly applicable anymore, the morals and the values underneath that still are. You know, maybe we don't need to know how to balance a checkbook anymore, but being financially responsible is still important. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we don't pay the same, you know, $2,000 for college anymore that my mom did, but educating ourselves and becoming lifelong learners will always be important. So as opposed to, you know, instead of looking at 
the lessons that our elders taught us as you know 20 odd years ago now as worthless look at what's underneath look at those core universal human truths that have stood the test of time i mean it's the reason why i show uh, you know not show why i teach shakespeare in my class that's you know, 400 years old it's the earliest incarnation of modern english but the reason that romeo and juliet still resonates with kids is that kids still hate the fact that their parents don't like their boyfriend you know mm -hmm. we can hang on to those universal human truths and still teach our young people things they need to know even if we don't know how the hell you post on snapchat <laughs> have you figured that out yeah guys? how embarrassing <laughs> god <laughs> It's only gone I, on three months now. I, co I committed to figuring out Snapchat a long time ago, and I'm st I still haven't. I, honestly, I haven't actually tried. Well, I tried twice, but anyway, I. <laughs> God. Oh man. All right, man. You know we we have our different strengths. I'll be real with you. Like, uh, my 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 strengths are not in social media either. But uh, you know, it's. I definitely see what value it has for the kids. For sure. It's going on my to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're putting it back on there? Yeah, it's legit. It's actually going on the to-do list. That's awesome. Do you have any more questions, Axel? Uh, I think that's it. So I, we, one thing we, I, I kind of want to institute as, as a tradition is to give give the guests just a little bit of extra space just to, uh, you know, say a final thought and, and close out the show for us. Um, you know, just looking at your mission in, in general, I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of leave it open-ended. You know, what, what so far, um, you know, I would say in the past year has really just stuck out and, and what, what continues to, to help you push forward and, and, you know, I would say to continue to be so successful at what you're doing. Well, uh, before I answer that question in this wonderful space that you're allowing me, I just want to take a second and acknowledge you both and uh, say two words that I'm sure you don't hear nearly enough for the podcast that you put out, and that's just a humble thank you. Um, as I said you know, to you guys prior to us starting to record the podcast, you know, I, I think it's so awesome that you guys learned a lot of wonderful life lessons in your time in Turkey, but not everybody takes the next step. And decides to share those life lessons with the world at large. You know, there's this wonderful quote uh, by Eric Thomas, a motivational speaker of, everybody has a dream, but not everybody is an executor. You guys are executors. You guys are leaders in this field and helping other people to realize their potential. So for that, I, I thank you. Um, the, the things that inspire me to keep doing this uh, I wish I had some kind of huge grandiose answer, uh, something that, uh, you know, <laughs> would kind of end your podcast on fireworks, but I will share a story with you to close out here. Uh, about a month ago, I had a young man uh, come to me in class. Um, this is a kid that has seen some serious adversity in his life. You know, his parents are comfortable and well enough off, but... Uh, he's a cancer survivor at 14. Um, and he came to me and he waited until the kids had filed out of the classroom. And he just said, simply, I want to thank you for your podcast. I was like, what, what, what do you mean, man? And he said, 
it's hard for me sometimes to wake up in the morning. I still have aches. I still have cramps. And I have residual effects of the chemo. But when I put on your podcast, I feel like I can get through the day. And so, you know, while I've been incredibly blessed with some of the wonderfully successful people I've gotten a chance to talk to, some of the opportunities that I've gotten because of the podcast, that's what makes me want to keep doing it. Talking to kids like that and finding out that kids are affected by it. If it was only ever the 30 kids in my classroom and it was only those 30 that were moved to be the best versions of themselves, then it's totally worth it to me. So I guess that's what I got. Dude, thank you so much for being here. Eric, it's uh, it's been a, a real pleasure tonight. Uh, I, I don't have anything else thank I can you. add to that. That's that was a beautiful sentiment, and and thank you for your kind words about our podcast. I, oh, I will, absolutely, I will acknowledge and, and accept and appreciate and receive that. and receive <laughs> yeah. that. Right on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was great. Thank so with that, uh, I'm Frank Boyce, and this is Axel Clark. Check out Eric's podcast, How to Be a Grown Up, and find your weekly motivation. This is my confession to you. Take care of